Hi, I'm Kim LaPree from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast. This is where educators can come to find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. The number one thing to me has always been about the kids. It's always been about connecting with them and, and, and making my lessons memorable and making their time in my class memorable. You know, be going not just to engaging, but where they're going to reflect on this and feel positive about it. Hey, welcome back, Leader of Learning. That voice you heard at the top there was friend and former colleague, Kurt Bascom, who is my guest on this interview episode. But before we get there, I really want to make sure that everyone out there who's listening right now is doing okay. Of course, school looks very different from what we're used to. School looks very different across districts and states. If you're like me, my school right now is in a hybrid model for our secondary students. In my district, our elementary students are back face-to-face. And in the town I live in, students are back face-to-face full-time. So very different. And I want to make sure you're okay. I'm doing okay, but I'll be honest, in a hybrid model, we've definitely faced lots of challenges as we've gotten this year started. If there is anything that you need, please don't hesitate to reach out to Dan at Leader of Learning is my email, or you can find me on social media at Dr. Underscore Krinus, or please allow me to help you connect to any of the guests that I've had on my show or anyone who's been affiliated in any way with the Leader of Learning podcast. As I've already mentioned, my good friend, my buddy, Kurt Bascom, is the guest in this interview episode, episode 84. Right after this word from our sponsor, we will hear from Kurt Bascom. Hey, leader of learning. When it comes to professional development, wouldn't you want to save money and choose PD that meets your needs? Midwest Teachers Institute offers the most affordable, state-accredited graduate courses on the market for salary enhancement, state certification, and continued education with no hidden fees. With classes designed by professionals active in their field, you get practical tips to help you improve what you do best. Sign up for a class and see why they truly are teachers helping teachers. Visit MidwestTeachersInstitute.org and enter the coupon code LEARNING at checkout to save $30 off your first course. That's MidwestTeachersInstitute.org and coupon code LEARNING. Well, I am excited. And actually, in a lot of ways, this has been somewhat of a long time coming to bring a good friend and former colleague, Kurt Bascom, onto the show as the next uh, interview guest. And uh, Kurt, before we go any further, if you could just introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, I'm, uh, my name is Kurt Bascom. I'm, uh, I'm a teacher in the Bronx. I teach uh, seventh and eighth grade social studies. Uh, I'm also a football coach. I coach at Columbus High School, which is actually a clutch in four different schools. And, uh, you know, I'm a dad of two kids. My son Dallas is 13 and in the eighth grade. My daughter Kylie is 11 and going into the sixth grade. You know, in, in full transparency, Kurt and I were colleagues uh, at, actually, we, we were both essentially founding members of the eighth grade team at uh, at the school where Kurt still works. And 
that was fun. It really was. That that was probably one of the best teams that that I've been part of in my career. Although I, I will admit that uh, I've been probably out of the classroom more than I've been in at this point. But um, I had a lot of fun. And granted, I was only there for about a year and a half before I jumped ship to be a little closer to home after I moved to Connecticut. But uh, it was great, man. And, and I'm glad to see you're still at that school. And listen, I know uh, that that times are are weird to say the least right now. And uh, New York City schools, including the school where you're at in the Bronx, uh, are still remote and and teaching remotely. But if I can say it, I think you know one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was the work that you've been doing even since March when we all went to remote learning or distance learning, whatever you call it, to make sure that you're maintaining connections and, and communication with your students and their families and really lots of different stakeholders at your school. Can you talk about that a little bit? I know that you've done, you've jumped on Instagram Live and YouTube Live, and it, it's been really cool. You know, I've seen what you're doing. So yeah, talk about that. The number one thing to me has always been about the kids. It's always been about connecting with them and, and, and making my lessons memorable and making their time in my class memorable. You know, be going not just to engaging, but where they're going to reflect on this and feel positive about it and, and like social studies. So um, actually, the first time I started tinkering with going on live or going online, um, I uh, tore my meniscus in my knee uh, about two years ago year and a half ago. And I knew I had to be home to rehab it a little bit. And I started tinkering with the idea of trying to kind of live stream into my classroom from home. And I really didn't know how to do it. I, I spoke to the IT person at our school and um, we messed around with it a little bit and they were able to see me, but we couldn't quite communicate. And then I kept tinkering and tinkering. And then I, I got to uh, creating my own YouTube channel. And this was back in uh, December. And just for fun, no one, no one asked me to do it or anything like that. I just wanted to see if I could and, you know, reach out to not just my current students, but my former students. And with YouTube, I was able to um, basically riff and talk about things that were on my mind. I'd bring my daughter on from time to time, but essentially it was, I could, they could communicate with me via chat. So I was, I could answer their questions and kind of, you know, talk about different topics that they wanted to bring up. And, and they, that really reassured them. And for me, I, I felt really proud that I had a new way to connect with them. And then uh, unfortunately, when, when COVID and the pandemic struck, it was, um, I felt like a little bit ahead of the game. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things too, that I don't want to forget about, and I would hi I'd like to highlight about you and your work is that um, over the years that I've known you, I know that it is not just connecting with your students virtually, uh, which you've done really well, but I think you do even better job at connecting and building those relationships with students in person, whether it's the students who are in front of you in your classroom or the students that you coach football wise. Uh, so I guess I was just wondering if you might be able to talk about that a little bit too, you know, um, student engagement, but even more so just like getting students to feel like they're a part of something, a part of a family, dare I say. I think um, you're one of those guys that throughout my career has done it the best. So thanks. I, um, I don't know. I, I, when I started teaching, I, I had coached football first. When I was a kid, I got hurt and my parents split up in some things. So I really couldn't play football anymore, but I started coaching my, um, my younger brother when I was 15. And then I did that into, into college and um, when I finished college, you know, I was a history major and I love telling stories and things like that. And um, my experiences with football, though, is kind of what got my foot in the door as far as teaching. And it was really when you're coaching a sport, particularly football, it's a very it's a it's a close game. It's a team game. It, it, there's a lot of life lessons embedded in the game itself. So it really just went really easily for me to doing well in the classroom and really connecting like that, that huddle feel like there's just us versus them sort of a thing. And it, it really carried over. And I, 
Um, it's something I take a lot of pride in. I, just a few days ago, I had a student of mine uh, share some pictures uh, with me from 24 years ago. <laughs> you know, he was in my class and, and remembered things very well. And then I have another student friend of mine from four years ago who was applying to uh, to West Point, among other things. And he had asked me for a lot of recommendation. And I wrote him back, you know, of course, I'd help him in things. And I asked him, I said, why? You know, why me? <laughs> you know, it's been four years, you know. And he said, well, the last time we spoke in person, you really kind of spoke to me about the changes you saw in myself. And it really changed my perspective on myself and seeing the growth and in, in valuing the growth in myself. And you know, that that's what keeps me going all these years. In February, it'd be 27 years. And I just feel like these kids keep me going. You know, a lot of people don't go as long as I go or they become very jaded. And and really, I get this fire from the kids. And, and it's just about wanting to keep them going and then them expressing their appreciation. That's everything. That's awesome, man. And I can tell, obviously, there's there's some emotion there. I know it means a lot to you. One of the things that you just said, I think, is is pretty key, that you get that fire, that passion from the kids. Like You feed off of their energy. And I know that one of the things that keeps your students engaged in the classroom is, like you said a couple minutes ago, kind of that, that storytelling aspect. And actually, I, I think I mentioned to you that a few episodes back in this podcast, I, I did shout your name out, and it, it sort of hit the, the cutting room floor, if you will, on the actual <laughs> audio side when I I put out the episode, uh, but it did make it into the YouTube video. And I was speaking to a, a, a present colleague of mine, Mark Jackson, who is also a, a social studies teacher uh, at the middle school level. And you guys remind me a lot of each other because that aspect of what you do is so apparent in terms of making sure that you are getting the message through to your students in clever, creative, fun, engaging ways. Uh, I told the story and, and again, it hit the cutting room floor. So I'm going to tell it again now, make sure it gets in here. I will never forget the time where you had the school safety agents at our school when I was still working there arrest you to, uh, to make a point and, and to really hammer home whatever lesson. I don't even know what the lesson was, but I still remember it because of that. And, and I'm sure the students who were in your classroom then, and if you've done it since, uh, remember that as well. So like, what kind of, you know, tricks do you have up your sleeve? Like, how, how do you do that? Can you even explain it? No, <laughs> really, but it's, it's sort of, I want to be entertained. You know, I, I, I think about what would grab me. And I remember when I was growing up, I, I found most of my social studies teachers really boring, to be honest, you know, and, but my dad was a fantastic storyteller, still is. And I, I kind of really enjoyed that idea of, of grabbing the audience with the way you tell a story, not with, you know, not with fireworks and, and, and you know, special effects and all of that. And um, for that lesson in particular, um, we were learning about the fourth and fifth amendments in the constitution with seventh grade. And, um, you know, I was trying to think of a way, how can they really see this? And I'm always trying to find different graphics and pictures and video and things. And it's like, wait a minute, what if I got arrested? And, uh, you know, I, I spoke with my principal, Miss Gilligan, and, and some of the other uh, staff about, all right, this is what we'll do. I'll take your phone. I'll have it in my pocket. And, you know, um, and then, you know, the agent will come in and we worked it a lot and everyone and everyone went along with it. And the kids didn't realize what was happening because, uh the assistant principal that was in the room, he was recording with an iPad and the kids just thought it was an observation because sometimes admins do that. So they really weren't any the wiser and it, it really carried over. Those kids talked about that for a long, long time. I haven't done it that in, in a long time because, you know, word got out. I didn't, I don't want to blow up the spot and make it less than it actually, but it was really effective. And it was a lot. Yeah, that's cool. And I remember, um, you know, I was uh, trying to think when we worked together, I was somewhere around my 
sixth, seventh, no, I think seventh and eighth year hmm. uh, in, in my career. But I, I think those, those were some times where between uh, myself and, and you as a social studies teacher and, and also myself and the science teacher, uh, who I believe is still at the school as yeah. well, uh, some of my first memories uh, in terms of it, like true interdisciplinary stuff. And, and I don't know whether that was because, I, again, I felt like it was a really strong team or whether we... Uh, individually and collectively as a team felt like we were ready for some of that stuff. And um, that, that meant a lot to me. And, and it's it stuck with me as I've coached teachers, especially to be like, look, you don't have to be just stuck inside your little bubble of your classroom, but use your teammates and, and find out what they're doing and, and help plan together so that you can, you know, run thematic units or, or just make it I think make it easier on on you and even your students if you just help each other out a little bit. Yeah, I, I I'd like to see that more sometimes. To be honest, mm -hmm. you know, I um I I do feel sometimes you know teachers sometimes feel kind of you know uh, lassoed or or anchored by by the curriculum they're you know mandated to teach. So it can be difficult to get cross curricular sometimes. I think the years we were together and uh you know class of 2013 into 2014. I, I always looked at it like we were kind of handpicked sort of like an all-star team in a way. It was really kind of cool. We came from different areas and we had very unique approaches, all of us. And we they kind of left us alone a little bit. They hadn't really dealt with older kids in that way, maybe. And we had a, a certain amount of free reign and that really helped. And we felt really comfortable with each other. Yeah, no, that's cool. And I, I do, I agree. Like when we got there and actually I remember the principal saying something like, you know, you all... Uh, have come here for a reason, but you also left the schools that you were at for a reason as well. And and I feel like that was probably part of what helped us connect as a team was that we had at least that in common, you know, that we were there kind of for similar reasons. And um, yeah, it, it, it worked out pretty well. And, and speaking of which, I think that um, one of the things that we started to do around that time also was uh, kind of wrap our heads around using more technology. Like I, I would say that you were probably the first teacher that I knew who was really using some of the Google apps, especially Google Docs, um, to to really get in there and uh, connect and communicate with their students. But um, like drive or not, I don't want to say drive. They were driving their own learning. You were supporting they're learning kind of from the side, but using technology. And I always thought that was really cool. And that, that was one of the topics that I know you said you'd like to, to touch on here. Obviously, that's really important in whatever school looks like for, for our listeners and for us right now. So, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, talk about the technology a little bit. Yeah, I, um, I taught an IS 162 in District 7 for 10 years. And um, it was a roughneck school in a rough area across from St. Mary's Park. And uh, I remember... Besides acting things out and storytelling and creating good discussion, there was a lot of notes and things. And I would write out in chart paper these huge pages of notes. And, you know, the kids sometimes would dread, oh, wow, that's a lot of notes. And it's like, get through this. And then we get to the good stuff. And I remember it was 2008 and a student came in and handed me a disc. And they said, mister, can you do this for my presentation? And I said, what is this? And they're like, it's a PowerPoint. I'm like, what is that? You know? And, uh, you know, I figured it out pretty quickly. I was like, wow, this is great. You know, and the charts were gone after that, never needed that anymore. And that really opened my eyes to using technology. It was just a faster, easier way the kids could connect with it. And then when I, I came over to VNA in, in 2012, we had, a, a, you know, 
credit to our, our, our school, we had a lot of access to good technology right away. The kids were pretty savvy right away. And even when they weren't, the, the great, one of the great things about kids is they're willing to learn, they're willing to make mistakes. Whereas adults, you know, even now that have been in the, you know, working with it for a long time are reluctant to, to mess up and try those things. So yeah, I went from just basic PowerPoint to a smart board to using these, these different apps. And um, I've been using the Google Classroom for several years and now it's kind of, that's the norm. But again, I feel a little bit ahead of the curve, you know, kind of. Yeah. yeah, that was around the time that I started using Google Classroom too. That's about when it first came out. Yeah. And, um, and I was really excited about using it. It was also around the time that I remember I created a class website uh, mm. for, for my students, which helped, uh, it helped communicate with families. And also I was able to link their grades to it, yeah. um, which was also also amazing when a, a parent would come in for a, a conference or I'd call home or something and they were like, uh, you know, what kind of homework is my kid getting or what kind of grades? It's like, hey, just check the website. And yeah. it was it was really cool to be able to do that. Now with Google Classroom and things like that, it, it's even easier, but that's always been uh, a big part of what, what I've been doing, I know. And the, the kids enjoy using it, you know, um, Again, during this time, especially like I, I, I know I'm in the minority, but I have found this actually easier right now than it was, you know, being in a classroom as far as the logistics and, and not having to deal with paper anymore. And, you know, the works, I, I don't have to worry about, you know, this is torn out of the notebook and it, you know, and, you know, I got spaghetti sauce on it, you know, everything's, it's a little cleaner in that way, you know, and, and, you know, generally speaking, I run a tight ship. I don't really have much disruption in my classrooms anyway, but there's even less so now the kids really can't instigate each other the same way if they did want to, you know? So, and I, I just want to throw that little uh, caveat out there that you are still full remote. And, um, when you say it's been a little easier, uh, I just, I think it would be easier if everyone was one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, we're at my school's in a hybrid model right now and, and, and it's tough just having to teach students, uh, you know, a handful of students in front of you. And then the rest of the classes at home is, is definitely different. And, um, we're going to go hybrid um, September 29th. We were supposed to go this week. And the way we were kind of alleviate that problem is I'm driving into the Bronx every day and, you know, I'll have the 10 or 12 kids in a class in front of me. And then I would just live stream what I'm doing like we normally did when we were full remote. And, you know, again, the technology coming into it, uh, I recently got a swivel. And uh, so I'm going to, it'll track me as I'm moving around. I tend to move a lot. And, um, and, and I love swivel. I also love, uh, I love their, their other product, uh, Go Synth or, or Synth. And uh, if they're listening and you want to sponsor the show, hey, uh, Kurt's using it and he's loving it and I'm loving it. So, I'll wear a little you know, swivel shirt. I'll, I'll <laughs> there you go. Swivel all the way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know about the one you just mentioned. Uh, maybe we could talk about that later. Yeah, Synth is really cool. It's uh, it's by the the company that does Swivel, and and uh, it's a it's a podcasting app uh, for for teachers, students, uh, act podcasters. It's it's really cool. Wow. Um, here here's also what I really wanted to get to, and I think we've touched on this anyway. But you put it in the uh, the form when we signed up here to to connect for this interview. And and I love this because it's so much of what I'm about and what I talk about on the show, which is basically how to stay active and committed to teaching over time. You mentioned you're getting on to about your 27 years in, uh, in education. I'm about 15 years and no doubt things change a lot. Like literally the first line of my dissertation said, basically the same thing, which was, you know, the, the only constant in education is that uh, everything changes so often, you know, mm. we, we have to adapt and, and, um, you've done it for, for a lot longer than I have, but 
you know, what are, what are some of the changes you've seen? And I guess, how have you had to adapt over the years to those changes? Yeah. Well, when I came in, in 94, February 94, I was a sub for several months first. And um, it was kind of the Wild West in a lot of ways. I did not have uh, an education degree. I wasn't working towards one either. But, you know, District 7 was a rough place and they needed whoever they could get, basically. And because I had coached football, like I mentioned earlier, that was my foot into the door. But those first several years, there was kind of, you know, there was a lack of connection between administration and assisting their newer teacher, you know, and but as time went on, I definitely saw that improve. Part of the reason I am still vibrant about this is that first year before I taught, I had this terrible job downtown and I worked for $6 an hour and I had to commute really far just to get there and I hated it. And so when I got a job subbing first, the money was better. But, you know, the idea of being around kids is like, what's the worst thing can happen? Some kid's going to give an attitude. It's like, I worked a much worse job than this. So I kind of was appreciative of that. Um, the first full class I had, I had 41 kids in one class and which is obviously very illegal, but you know, it's what <laughs> yeah, happened. That's crazy. And I had 41 kids for a month and, uh, but I figured it out. And then a month later they said, all right, we'll cut you down to 21. And all the kids wanted to be in my class. So I felt like vindicated by the kids and I never stopped feeling that way. Like if the kids are good with this, then I must be on the right track, you know? And, you know, those, it's funny, a lot of those kids then they're, you know, obviously very grown adults now with their own children and things, and I'm friends with them. So part of what is, like I mentioned earlier when we were talking, it's always been about the kids to me and kind of like, are they getting what I'm doing? Do they understand the value of this? Do they appreciate the effort of this without me having to tell them? Nobody wants to say, hey, I'm working really hard here. And that, that, that's the worst thing to do, but they have to feel that without seeing it. You know, uh, there was this one teacher I worked with many years ago, Miss Arroyo, and she she seemed effortless to me, but the kids loved her. And it was like, I want to be like that. You know, I see how much she's doing, but she's never sweating. You know, I have a naturally grumpy face a lot of the time. And uh, but I'm generally in a good mood 99% of the time. Once I realized um, it's OK if I get mad at the kids, it's OK if they get mad at me as long as we're going through this thing together and we respect each other. That that's been the driving force more than anything else, more than even any of my colleagues or things. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, it's really been about the kids for me all these years. Yeah, I, I feel similarly in terms of uh, teaching styles. Like when I had my own classroom, I, I wanted it to be have this laid back feel to it, but at the same time still maintain, you know, high standards and, and um, set high expectations that students know, yeah. like, listen, I'm going to expect a lot out of you. And if I don't get it, sure, I'm, I'm going to ride you a little bit. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like they knew we were just going to be cool with it. And, mm -hmm. and um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, that's a lot of uh, what, what drove me also in terms of the style is just like, I don't want to be all in, in a kid's face about it, but you know, look at the end of the day, you know, we got to get stuff done, mm -hmm. but let's, let's be cool about it, you yeah. know? And yeah. um, that's really helped. Yeah. And it, it's that mutual respect that you want to build right away. And it's also one of those things where, you know, one of the more fashionable things I think sometimes is teachers will come in the first day, especially newer teachers and like, let's work on a set of rules together. And it's like, I, I understand where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, this isn't, you know, a republic. It's it's more of an oligarchy. I'm, I'm a little bit more in charge here, you know, and it's sort of like if we're on the same page, this is going to be great. I trust me, you know, but if you want to zig when I'm asking you to zag, we'll have a conversation about it. It's OK. Don't be confrontational. You know, um, it's like uh, Patrick Swayze, Swayze 
once said in Roadhouse, be nice until it's time to not be nice, you know, and uh, that served me really well. I, I, I don't have to get upset with kids. There's a mutual respect. If anything, they start self-policing because they like what's going on here. So if a kid acts foolish, the other kids are like, what are you doing? Where, 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 why? You know, what, what's the game? And they, they correct. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I had a feeling we'd come back around to kind of that student engagement and relationship building piece too, because uh, I, I said it at the beginning, I think that you've been one of the teachers that, that I've worked with throughout my career that's done it the best and in, in an effortless kind of way. And, and maybe that came over time and, and lots of practice in terms of just, just being in education for a while. Um, what, what would you like if I had to, I did this recently in another episode too. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but like if we had a Venn diagram, right? One side is 1994 when you started and one side is 2020 and in the middle, there might be some similarities. Probably not. I don't know. Like what would you say are the big differences between when you started and now? Um, at heart, I'm a big teddy bear, you know, I'm a bigger dude, but like, you know, I have a very sentimental side and it's very genuine. And I think that's uh, hopefully not on the football field. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? There too. I, I, I'm uh, Joe Torrey once said, you know, you have to try and be intense without being tense. And I've tried to do that in front of students, you know, to use my face, to use, yeah, I got this grumpy face. I'm going to use it. Like you had mentioned, you, 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 you see a student disappointed and you give that look of disappointment. I, I've tried to do that. So that's, that's something that's there. The storytelling elements, the, the, Empathy for what a student's dealing with, whether it's in their personal life or academically or or just socially, um, that that's that's a constant. I think that's still there. And the idea of trying to make it fun, you know, I, like I, I want to find a way to make this fun. Teaching the Reconstruction era in in U.S. history is not intrinsically fun. You have to find ways to make it connect, you know. And whether it was 1994 or now, I, I'm that's something I'm trying to do. So that that that's another element of similarity between those times and now. I think because we went in so many different directions in this conversation, and I don't mind at all, I think it's been a great conversation and obviously a, a, an awesome chance for us to catch up, but where we've uh, lost touch a little bit throughout the years, but still stayed connected. Um, what you just said, I, I want you to, to kind of wrap up with that statement, which is uh, showing empathy for students and, and even their families as well, because I think the you know all of this conversation has been the umbrella under that that little piece that you just shared and and it took us 26 and a half minutes to get there but i think that was so perfect no no it's awesome uh i i was i'm i'm just proud that i was able to take that out because i feel i felt like that nugget right there was i i want to do justice to it yeah it's just you know sometimes we forget when we were younger you know and we just expect this kid to perform, but you don't remember when you were younger too. Maybe you had a hard time at home or, or things weren't going that way, or you liked a girl and she just did not like you or, you know, those countless little mini dramas that you think, you know, and sometimes not mini dramas, sometimes a legitimate real life crises um, that we take for granted as teachers, you know, and to me, it's like, no, the, these kids are more than their grades. They're more than, you know, their, their place in this classroom setting, you know, and they're people. And I want them to care about what we're doing here. And for the, for me to want them to care, I got to care. You know, they're, they've never been my my students or my, you know, they're my kids. That That's where the empathy comes in. And that's where, like, and, and I'm vindicated by them because part of the reason I stay on social media is to hear back from them. And they say things very specific about my class, not just like, hey, you, you was the bomb, son. You know, it's not just that. It's very, very vivid memories and, and very, you know, much appreciated words from them. And, you know, that that's what keeps me going. I hope I'm going to turn 50 in January. I, I hope I have some at least 10 years in me. I still feel young and pretty healthy. Um, my family's really supportive. So as long as I can keep 
creating engaging lessons and, and showing this care for my students and them reciprocating by showing it back to me, I, I, I don't feel old at all. That's awesome. It's a little bit different for me now. I, I feed more off of um, the reciprocation I get with the teachers that I'm supporting mm. in, in a leadership role or, or an admin role. But uh, it's the same kind of feeling, yeah. right? No matter whether it's from students or teachers. And um, and you got to hold on to those wins, especially when you're having some quote unquote losses mm. or bumps along the road. Um, you know, it's obvious that throughout a 20, almost 27 year career, uh, you've, you've had bumps on the road along the way. But um, again, that, that well, piece not that, that obvious, Dan, <laughs> well, not obvious, but you know, <laughs> like, look, anyone, anyone who's been around in any field 27 years, yeah. like there's gotta be some highs and lows. And yeah. again, that, that, that empathy, empathy piece that you said, I think is huge, but also just going back to what you said before, like the kids are that fuel to your fire and, and again, you said it again right now. So I know it's genuine and obviously having worked with you, very genuine. And uh, again, man, you know, thanks for, for what you do for your kids. And uh, thanks for what you, you did for me, even in our time together. Um, I, you know, I've, I look back on, on experiences like that a lot. And even though it was a, a brief amount of time that I was there, uh, it, it, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, I've been looking forward to having you on the show for a while. So I'm really glad that we could connect like this. Yeah, I, I thank you. I, I really appreciate the efforts that you make with these podcasts and, and in working with, with teachers now in Connecticut. But even when you were with us, it was sort of like you were this um, voice of reason. It, it hurt us for a moment when you left. I totally understood it. And I'm glad you've done well since. It took us a minute to recover. I, I am happy to say that I learned a lot from you about finding that focus. And that's helped me in the years since. So thank you. Well, I know you're not a big Twitter guy, but you are out there on socials. And if anyone does want to connect to you, what's the best way to reach you? Well, my YouTube channel, that's something I'm really trying to push. Um, that's Mr. Bascom's class. Very simple. You know, on uh, Instagram, I'm Social Studies Bascom. And uh, on Facebook, I'm just me. I'm Kurt Bascom. You know, I, I, I think I have a Twitter handle. I don't even know what it is. I, I go in there time to time, really, just to kind of, I have some friends that are really involved in activism and things, and I try to follow them that way a little bit. And, and of course, you know, to follow my beloved Cowboys, I have to go there and, you know, vent when something goes wrong or celebrate when something goes right for them. Yeah, actually, I think you were one of the first uh, people I followed on Twitter. So you, you might not have used it very much since, but you were on there at one yeah. time. Anyway, uh, I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, this, this was awesome to, to catch up. I know we'll stay in touch, but yeah. appreciate your time, dude. Thanks, man. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning.